So, Outgrown. This series, I'm going to tell you the funny way it started. A few months ago, we went to a wedding, and Judah, my 12-year-old son, said, Dad, I don't have any wedding clothes that fit me, mostly because he's grown like a foot and a half in the past six months somehow. And uh, I said, well, maybe something from my closet will fit you if you said, yeah, right. He actually said, yeah, right, big boy. <laughs> and I said, not everything in my closet fits this BJ. Some of the things in my closet fit the guy that got married to Lisa 18 years ago in a couple weeks here. We'll have our 18th anniversary. I still got some of my favorite shirts that I wore back in 2003. And I said, that guy was a little skinnier than this guy. And uh, maybe one of those shirts will fit you. So one of those shirts uh, did fit you pretty well. It was awesome. So he wore this shirt that I wore back in 2003. And what I realized real fast when I tried it on was that I had outgrown that shirt <laughs> in several different ways. I, I outgrown it. Uh, this, this, I think I've grown a little bit since I was 18. Uh, I, I outgrew it a little bit this way, and I outgrew it this way, and also this way. And literally every which way you you measured, I outgrown this shirt. And you know, I threw it over to him, and I said, "Just wear this one. It doesn't fit me anymore. You can have it." And. Uh, I thought to myself, it'd be funny if I did a series called Outgrown and preached the, the whole series of the shirts that I had outgrown. And that was a joke that was in my brain. And I heard God say, maybe don't wear the shirts, but you are doing a series called Outgrown. And that is where this series has come from. And I decided not to teach it in a, a shirt that I outgrew to scare you guys. And myself the embarrassment. But, Outgrown, and here's where it comes from spiritually. Uh, there are, uh, we grow as saved individuals. As children of God, we are called to grow. The Bible says we will be going from glory to glory, which means to me, as good as it's ever been, there's still more. Lisa and I were listening to an old worship album this morning, Israel, and you read, you remember this one called It's a New Season? It came out, I think, in 01 or something. We were listening to that CD. Yeah, it was a CD. This morning, uh, just while we were getting ready, and one of the things they sang was, The ladder will be greater than the past. You will be blessed more than you can Despite all that has been done, the best is yet to come. And the ladder will be great. And that's when the band comes in. The ladder will be greater. The ladder will be greater than the past. Then the key changes. And he goes, all things are possible. Oh, man. And here's the stipulation. Here's the stipulation on the ladder will be greater than the past. Come on. There are none. As bad as it's been, it's going to get better. As good as it's been, it's going to get better. Your ladder will be greater than your past. We're called from glory to glory. Yes. You yes. will outgrow things Woo. as a believer. You will outgrow wrong ways of thinking. Let me tell you this truth. Right believing produces right living. Amen. It is not the other way around. Yes. Right living does not produce right believing. Amen. Isn't that crazy? But it does work this way, right? Believing.
produces right living. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or she. Right believing produces right living. A large percentage of the church, especially in the U.S., kind of tends to do what the Pharisees would do, which was mix old tradition, old law, old theology with the new covenant that we have because of Jesus. Do you know this? You know, we have a better covenant than any Old Testament believer. We have a better covenant than David. You have a better covenant than Abraham. You have a better covenant because of Jesus than any Old Testament believer. Amen. I love what actually Tara just said last week. He said, I can't remember if it was here or I can't meet him, but Ashley said that he, he, he had this thought one day, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask David, what was it like to take Goliath down? To ask Abraham, what was it like to be over a hundred before you saw the promise fulfilled in your life? To ask Moses, what was it like to see the Red Sea part? And he said one day God spoke to him and said, Ashley, they're going to be more excited to talk to you because when you get to heaven, they're going to say, Ashley, what was it like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What was it like to have the Word of God in your hand every second of every day of your life? What was it like to have the teachings of Paul at your fingertips? What was it like? And if that has not been your mindset, it might be time to outgrow an old mindset. And that's the invitation. That is the invitation. So much of the church wants to take the salvation message of Jesus and say, yes, we are saved by grace. Jesus taking care of our sins. He's taking care of our sickness and pain. Let's also, though, remember this Old Testament, Old Covenant stuff, and let's make sure that we, we still, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to talk about what I'm exactly talking about, but this is just the setup. We're not going to mix Old Covenant, Old Testament with new stuff. Does it mean it's irrelevant? Absolutely not. Don't worry about that. I'm telling you there will be no heresy spoken today from the pulpit. Don't worry. <laughs> but this service, this, this series is going to be all about who we are as New Testament believers. What it means to say Jesus fulfilled the law like he said Himself, not abolish it, but fulfill it. What does that mean to you and to me? And here's the best part. Once you do hear the good news of grace, man, you cannot take that new wine, and as Jesus said, go put it in an old wine skin. You've probably heard that phrase as a believer. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it right now, actually what that means. It comes from Matthew 9, 14 through 17. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of untrunk cloth on an old garment. The patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, so both are preserved. So the science behind this is as juice, or as grape juice ferments and becomes wine, the gases that are used, the gases that release, expand. The, the volume of liquid actually expands, 
And when you put that into a new wineskin, which was an animal hide, it would actually stretch along with the wine as it expands. If you would put wine that was fermenting into an old, already stretched wineskin, it would tear and everything would be useless. It would tear, the wine would spill out. The wineskin would then become useless and everything was basically wasted. All that good stuff, all that work put into creating this wine was then basically counted as nothing and not used in the right way. So Jesus is explaining to these guys, listen, there are old ways and there are new ways. I'm bringing a new way. And we're not going to mix it with this old stuff. We're not going to mix it with this old stuff. Some of the obvious stuff from the Old Testament that obviously Jesus did away with was sacrificing animals. These guys made sacrifices all the time. And then, of course, Jesus became our ultimate sacrifice. And they were able to do away with the sacrificing of animals. But what about the rest of the law? Are there parts of it that we want to take and parts of it we want to throw out now because of Jesus? Well, we don't. Uh, uh, Paul wrote to the to Jewish believers and said, listen, there's no reason to tell the Gentiles to be circumcised. Because now we're made right through Jesus, not through any type of physical act. So there's no more circumcision. There's no more animal sacrifice. But what about the other stuff? There are legalist Christians out there that want to mix all kinds of uh, theology from this old covenant with the new covenant. One of the main things is that a lot, a big part of the church believes and teaches that sin separates you from God as a believer. And that's a big one to talk about. This is a major one to talk about because some people teach this extreme thing. That you've been forgiven of your sin, Jesus died on the cross, and you've been forgiven, you'll be able to go to heaven. But if tomorrow's a bad day, if you don't kneel beside your bed and ask God to forgive you, and you die with sin in your heart, you will go to hell. That is what I actually believed for a few years of my life. I was that guy. I believed that God forgave my sin, but then today I'm going to have to get down on my knees and repent of every little thing I did. Otherwise, I could wake up in hell. That's exhausting. And that is mixing old covenant Old Testament theology with New Testament, New Covenant theology. It says Jesus took our sin once and for all. Amen. Now some people don't teach it that extreme. Other people may not teach that you're physically separated from God enough to ever go to hell, but at the very least, it cuts off maybe your communication with God. They believe it separates you in a way from His goodness or from what He says, but that is not what the Word of God says. Let's read Hebrews 10, 16-18. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. Are you hearing this? This is the new covenant. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins or lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need for any other sacrifices. Amen. So here's the question. If God doesn't remember your sins or lawless deeds, how could they stand between? Does this mean sin is a non-issue? Well, here's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the relationship between you and God. If you want to ask me about sin, my dad used to tell this joke. My mom and dad used to have this joke. They'd ask all the time if mom was out in children's church, like she is today. She'd say, hey, Barry, what'd you preach on today? And he would just say, sin. And she'd say, were you for it or against it? And he would say, against it. And that was the joke. It's also pretty true. Listen. It's bad. Sin is bad. It will mess you up. It is wrong. It is detrimental to your health. 
You'd be much better off without sin in your life. Through sin, believers cut themselves off from walking in the fullness that God has called them to. Sin has consequences that none of us want in our life. Physical consequences. I mean, for example, one of the deadly sins, gluttony. If we live a life of gluttony, physically we eat too much, we're going to be unhealthy. It is a consequence of sin. Through sin, believers open themselves up to attacks from the enemy. It's like opening the door and saying, hey, I have this covenant of protection that Jesus gave me. I have this covenant of authority that Jesus gave me. But I'm going to open the door for you a little bit, Satan, so you can just come in and have your way with any part of my life. That is what sin does. Amen. So don't mistake anything I'm saying for saying sin's not a big deal. Go out wherever you want. I'll be the first guy to be like, hey man, let's get rid of this right now because this is messing you up. But Hebrews 10.10 says this, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Somebody told me one time, I understand that Jesus has forgiven my past sins, but what about the ones I haven't even committed yet? How does he do that? And I was like, hey, can I just point out that when Jesus died, all your sins were future sins? None of your sins were past sins when he died? He better have been able to forgive past, present, and future. He died 2,000 years ago once and for all. He's not dying again tomorrow for your sins tomorrow. When we say yes to him, there is a part of me and a part of you that becomes right with him forever. Our spirit. Our spirit. And you are right with God. And that's how God... Operates. That's how God communicates with you is through your spirit. Amen. That is a whole other teaching. If you want to hear more about it, we're going to have a discipleship class. We're going to read, we're going to launch wave three here in just a few weeks, and you can be a part of it. We'll talk all about what it means to be a three-part person, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He made us in His image. You're a three-part person according to First Thessalonians five: spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is made right with God, one hundred percent, when you say yes to Jesus. But our body, our mind, we got work to do. Romans 12 says we have to renew our mind to the word of God so we won't conform to the behaviors and the thought patterns of this world. As a Christian, we can still sin, yes, and we will see consequences of that in our life. However, what sin will not do is separate you from the love of God. And what it will not do is separate you from him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is that correct? He said that. Well, let's look to Jesus. And I know I've spoken about this a few times in the last six months, but I'm at least going to remind you of the time the prostitute who was caught in adultery was about to be stoned. And Jesus looked at her after dispersing the crowd and said, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere. And he said, I don't condemn you either. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. She was caught in sin. Her sin was obvious. But Jesus, who we know, if we've seen him, we've seen the Father, looked at her. He could have thrown a stone. Remember, he said, if you're perfect, throw it. He was perfect. He would have been completely right to pick up a stone and throw it at her. But the only man in that circle who could have done it chose not to. He chose to look at her and say, I see you, and I don't condemn you. I see you, and I still accept you. Then he said, go and sin no more. We serve a Savior. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He looked at Zacchaeus, a known sinner, a known thief, stole from God's people, gained wealth from stealing from God's people. And Jesus said, come on down. We're going to go have dinner. 
Well, a lot of the church teaches that if you are stealing from God's people and it is been to your own benefit, God will come have dinner with you once you sell all this stuff and get rid of the stuff you bought with that dirty money and then go to the altar. And once you've made everything right, go get right with God. That is baloney. <laughs> that is not what Jesus did. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. Amen. So here's the question that is always asked. Well, what about people that just live a lifestyle of sin and never see any change? They never change and you just see this sin running rampant in their lives forever. Are they still right with God? The main problem with that question is the question. John 10, 26 to 27, Jesus says, you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen to me. Everything Jesus said, every word was on purpose. Every tiny phrase, every moment of his life was on purpose. There wasn't one thing that made it to the Bible. That he was like, ooh. <laughs> I got stuff every week that makes it onto the podcast, and I'm like, ooh, I wish I didn't say that. I don't know how to edit though, so it's still on there. <laughs> but Jesus didn't have to edit. Everything that got in here was in here. So he says, if you're my sheep, you hear my voice. Here's what he says in Proverbs 26, 11. I know that was before Jesus, but all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit in Jesus inspired these words in Proverbs. He says, as a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his father. Mm. If there is a person and you as a believer are watching them living rampant lives of sin, they're not a sheep. We have a really bad connotation in today's society to call somebody a dog. Just know things have changed. Saying somebody is like a dog 4,000 years ago is not the same way you look at somebody nowadays and say, oh, you're a dog. This is just a comparison. It's talking about two different animals. And the point here is that Jesus didn't say, listen, sheep return to their folly. Sheep keep going back. He said, no, dogs keep going back. He doesn't say people that go back to the same stuff over and over again are sheep. He says there's something different altogether. As a New Testament believer, here's what we know. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin and leads them away. If somebody is living a lifestyle of rampant sin, you see no, repent, no repentance, no turning away, the question is not, have they been separated from God? Is he still okay with them? The question is, did they ever even know Jesus? It's do they even know Jesus? It's have they even had an encounter with the God of love yet? You have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and you will be saved. Anybody can confess with their mouth. Only God sees the heart. So here's the question. If, if I'm obsessed with taking this person who's living a lifestyle of sin and saying, man, this is bad. Get away from this stuff. You've got to change your life. You've got to get away from that. What good does this sin? What is that going to sound like to somebody that doesn't know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, you don't care that you're living a lifestyle right. of sin. My job at that point is to introduce them to Jesus. I'm no longer going to assume this is a believer living in a rampant lifestyle of sin. Well, I hope they're still okay with you, God. No. I'm going to, at least on the inside, say, man, has this person ever had an encounter with the same God who the second I fell in love with this Savior turned me away from this stuff. I don't want to go do this stuff because of his love. This person maybe doesn't know that Savior. And there's this great moment on this movie called Finger of God when Heidi Baker, this hero of the faith, is in a country 
I forgot what country she's in. It might have been Bulgaria. And she's going door, door to door with an interpreter. And this lady answers the door. And Heidi says, God wants to heal you right now. The interpreter interprets it and says, you need to get saved. And then God will heal you. Heidi doesn't speak the language, but she looks at the interpreter. And she says, if you didn't say what I said. And he says, oh, no, I didn't say exactly what you said. I, I told her she needs to get saved first and then God will heal her. And Heidi says, that's not how it works. She was telling God wants to heal her. And this guy looks at her and says, well, well we're going to need to train her first. And she says, get away from me. She goes, I need a new interpreter. And they got a new interpreter to come over. And this lady gets healed on the spot. It is one of the most powerful moments. But let me tell you, the global church, it seems like a majority of people want to say, get right first. And then God will hear you. He'll be with you. And that is not the ways of Jesus, the covenant that Amen. you and I have. Amen. Sin does not separate us from him anymore. The wrong question is, is this person separated from God? The right question is, do they know Jesus? Introduce them to Jesus and then watch as the Holy Spirit on the inside of them leads them away from that lifestyle of sin, of death, of consequence that's just stopping them from succeeding. That is an example of new wine in old wineskins. Yes, this person saved, they can go to heaven. But we're gonna we're gonna make sure that this that, that, that they're we're gonna tell them that if they sin a little bit, then they need to come to the altar and do it right first. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. This is I'm actually moving through this really fast, guys. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a ton of time. I probably should talk slowly. <laughs> And everybody who wants to see the Panthers up one is like, no, don't talk slow. That's right. Come on, you're good. And we had a good game today against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a real test. Cowboys look pretty good. Panthers look pretty good too. Today we're going to see who's really good. I could get 28-24 Panthers. Oh. Oh. fulfilling this law because from now on, like Paul said in Hebrews, I want this to be in your hearts. Not a list of do's and don'ts that if you don't follow, you have to, it's not about our actions anymore is the main point. It's Come about Jesus' action. Come on. It's about who he is, what he's done, and if we can put our focus on him, I'm telling you, the rest of the stuff will fall away quicker yeah. than you've ever been able to get past something on your own. We're going to come back to that. Here's what I want to talk about in uh, this, 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 this next point here. It's a big difference. It's very obvious between Old Covenant, New Covenant. David is a hero of the faith. We know all about David. He killed Goliath. He became king. He was the boy that was overlooked and became king. He wrote psalms that we quote and sing all the time, including Psalm 51, which I used to pray all the time by the side of my bed before you say amen. And she didn't like, and say, yeah, me too. Just listen, I'm not trying to, just hang on, hang on. You slow down, and I'll say that a little bit too. Psalm 51, 10 through 12, most of you know it by heart. I know I do. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. 
and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. I used to pray this prayer every night and I would also be terrified while praying it. Well, what if God does take his spirit from me? Lord, please don't. Don't take your spirit from me. I have such a dirty heart. Please make my heart clean. My spirit is so dirty like my heart. Please make me a right spirit. For a New Testament believer, a Christian in today's world to pray this prayer, Mm -hmm. it is putting new wine of what Jesus has done inside of you, inside old wine skin from the old covenant. This was right for David to pray. This is not right for you or me to pray. Yeah. That's right. Come on. David's heart was not clean. This was, some people believe this was something he wrote after his mistake with Bathsheba. His spirit was not right. But let's look at this in the lens of the new wine of the new cup. Create in me a clean heart. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. As a believer, Jesus has already given you a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. Let's read Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Your spirit became new the second you said yes, yes to Jesus when a believer to say, renew a right spirit within me. It is taking what Jesus did for you and saying, well, it wasn't good enough. I need you to do it again. Wow. Great. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Come on. For right. a New Testament believer so to good. pray, don't take your spirit from me. Again, it is like saying, well, I don't believe what you told me in the New Testament. I don't believe what Jesus did was good enough. I don't believe what he did is bigger than my sin. So obviously you've been angry. You've taken your spirit from me. Please don't do it again. Give it back. He never took his spirit from you once he gave it to you. Amen. It is yours. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Galatians 5.22 says that love is a fruit of that spirit within you. And if you're not in joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And if you're not walking in joy, if you have not felt the joy of your salvation in a while, it's because you have not gone and activated it through the word, through spending time with the Lord. That's up to you. As a New Testament believer, for us to ask God, give me joy, he's saying, I did. I did. I gave you all the joy you ever need in your spirit. Just activate it. It's like somebody giving you a million dollars in a bank account. You're like, well, just give it to me. I did. Go get it. Go get it out of the bank. Go make it, go make it withdrawal. Yeah. But just give it to me. Go get it. But just give it to me. I'll even take it to the bank. But just give it to me. I'll fill out your withdrawal card. But just give it to me. I'll hand it to the teller. But just give it to me. 
He's Amen. done all he can. Amen. He's given you joy. When Jesus said it is finished, he knew That's it is right. finished. Amen. The work was done. God does not need to renew a spirit he's already given you that's new. He doesn't need to create a clean heart within you when he's already done it. He doesn't need to give you more joy when he's already Come done on. it. So good. This was a great prayer for David to pray, but for a New Testament believer to pray this prayer, it probably only creates more unbelief and doubt in your heart. Yes. Paul quoted the Old Testament scripture as well when he said, who can know the mind of God? But as a New Testament believer, when you read that, the quotations end and Paul responds and says, we, we can because we have the mind of Christ. In the Old Testament, let's go consult the prophets and maybe God will tell them what we need to hear. As a New Testament believer, Paul added to that and said, now we can know the mind of God ourselves because we have the mind of Christ. Come on. To think you got to go somewhere else to get a word from God. To think you got to go beg somebody who's better than you to give you a word. For you to come to church and just hope, I hope somebody prophesies to me today, I just need some encouragement. That is wrong for a believer. It's awesome to get a word. It's encouraging to get a good word. And it's great. It's great when it happens. But if it comes from a place that says they have to do it because I can't, it's wrong. You can get a word from God. That's right. Especially about your own life better than anybody else. Come on. Yeah. Hopefully if somebody else gives you a word, it just confirms what you've already heard from God. Yeah. He is not withholding from a New Testament believer to say, well, maybe if I see a sign or if God gives me a word from somebody else, I'll be there. Is putting new wine into old wineskin. Wow. Get a word. Get a word. God is not withholding. There's not one believer out there that is a better believer than you. Come on. And I got a ton of respect for men and women of God who are out there. I got a pastor named Dean Melton who I have nothing but respect for. Yeah. But listen, he would sit here and tell you himself, he's got nothing I don't have. That's right. And I got nothing you don't have. That's right. Now maybe people have been at this thing longer. And it's always great to sit under somebody and say, hey, tell me, teach me. I need to learn from you. But to think I have to go through this person to get a word from God, to get healed, to, to get whatever is wrong. You've got open access to God all times. That is the new wine. Thank you, Lord. Here's a better prayer. And let's start with Psalm 51. God, I'm messed up and I know it. Thank you that even though I messed up because of Jesus, I have a clean heart. That's good. That's good. Thank you that even though I messed up, my spirit remains perfect. Maybe in my flesh I messed up. Maybe in my mind I got to get some stuff right. Yeah. But in my spirit, I am still made clean because of Jesus. Yeah. Thank you that even though I messed up, you didn't throw me out of your presence. But you still are saying welcome with open arms. You might want to remind yourself of the prodigal son and say, thank you, Lord, that I like the prodigal son. That when I feel like I'm at my lowest and, and I'm only even coming back because I'm hungry, it's not actually because I love you. You're still running to meet me. Thank you that even though I messed up, the Holy Spirit still lives within me. You don't have to yell louder when you mess up so he hears you. He's still right here. That's right. Lord, help me to move forward. 
past this mistake. Help me not to fall to this again. And even right now, I want to thank you that I can experience your joy in the midst of my failure. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. That's a better prayer for a New Testament, New Covenant believer. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those things I just prayed are verses that we just read that contradict that prayer David prayed. For David, it was a great prayer. But if you've never realized this before, realize it today, you don't have the same covenant David had. Yeah. Jesus called it a better covenant. Yeah. You have something better. You might want to go talk to the heroes of the faith one day when you get to heaven, but they are going to want to talk to you. And it is up to you what you do with that. If you think about your life and you think, well, there's no way they want to talk to me. I've done nothing. Here's the question. Why have you done nothing? You got something greater on the inside of you That's than David good, had. Man. You got something greater on the inside of you than David had. Yes. You got something greater on the inside of you than John the Baptist Come had. Come on. Right. Come on. Jesus said out of his own mouth, and this is hopefully making sense to you now. Some of these things maybe you've never thought too hard about, maybe. But Jesus said there's been nobody greater than John the Baptist. But the least of my kingdom is greater. Come on. Wow. Come on. Why did he say that? Because you got new wine. Not only was John the Baptist a metaphor for old wineskin, he physically wore animal hide. How did we not get this picture? <laughs> He's the old wineskin. Mm. Part of it. A representation. But just like the law, he paved the way for Jesus. Amen. Come on. You know, some of us might have started with, Jesus, I love you, come into my heart. And then we pick up the word and we're like, oh man, some of the stuff I've been doing my whole life is wrong. I've had lots of gods before you. Man, I may not want to commit adultery anymore. I do not want to have thoughts about hating my brother anymore. We might have started there. But man, all the law ever was, was a path to the new line of Jesus right. and of grace. And let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to throw all that away and say it's irrelevant. No, he fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And now on our worst day, as a believer, when we make the, maybe the worst choice we've ever made, our fellowship with God has no hindrances. And in the very moment of our failure, we can go to Him and He hears us just like He did on our best day. And just like on our best day when He says, come into my presence, on our worst day, He says, come into my presence. Amen. And He runs to us. And He embraces us. In the Old Testament, fear of punishment was the number one motivator on why not to sin. The first guy that broke the law picked up sticks on the Sabbath and he got stoned to death. That's a big deal. Any of you picked up sticks today? I mean, our band was here at 8 o'clock. That's kind of, that, that's work. In the Old Testament, they got stoned to death. <laughs> I'm just saying, somebody made coffee here this morning. We're all enjoying it. We're happy. Hey, thank you for making coffee. In the Old Testament, they would have been stoned to death. Come on. So how come in our society today, if we want to keep part of the law, do we not say, oops, 
you got to really want to be a part of the hospitality team if it's going to end on getting stoned today. That's got to be a real calling on your life. Yes, I want to make coffee. Yes, I know it's going to be my last act. At Is it good to take a day of rest? Yes. Is the Sabbath a great thing for you to enjoy? Yes. Does it have to be Sunday? No. The Sabbath is the Sabbath. What happens if we don't acknowledge a Sabbath in our life? Well, you're still right with God. You're missing out on some benefits, but you're missing out on benefits that are in the natural. There is nothing between you and God. For the believer. This is shown one more time here in Hebrews. We've been in Hebrews a lot today. This will be the last scripture of the day. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. If you've lost somebody, that means a lot more to you now than it did before. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Listen, Paul used to get accused of telling people they could do whatever they wanted to do and live in sin. He addressed it. He said, am I saying that you can do whatever you want? Like people say I say, I'm not saying that. So here he is addressing it again. And if you think I'm saying that, I'm addressing it. I'm Teaching what Paul taught. I'm not even, it's all out of the word. Everything I've said today is straight out of Paul's writings. Lay aside every weight and sin which easily besets you. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here's the key for the New Testament believer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the Old Testament, fear of punishment, fear of the law, fear of separation from God was a great motivator to say no to sin. Did it stop anybody? Nope. Read the Old Testament. Read about the children of Israel. Did fear of punishment stop one person from messing up? Absolutely not. David was a man after God's own heart, and he still fell to adultery and murder. Mm. Don't raise your hand, but how many adulterous murderers do we have in the house? (laughs) David was a man after God's own heart, and while using the old ways, fell to some of the worst stuff you could fall to. As a New Testament believer, it's no longer the fear of damnation, eternal punishment, separation from God that stops us from sinning. No, according to Hebrews 12.1, it's the opposite. It's looking to Jesus that actually lays that stuff aside. So good. In other words, when we get the focus off of ourselves and what we can do on our own, and we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and maybe in a moment of temptation, instead of just white-knuckling something and saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, we maybe go to the Lord and say, Jesus, you paid the price for any of my failures, and I am your beloved child. You love me no matter what, and I'm telling you, you'll get more breakthrough than you've ever gotten ever before by being afraid of punishment. Come on. Listen, my kids 
used to not touch the hot stove because they knew if they tried, they'd be punished. Now that they're older, they know I'm not going to touch the hot stove because I don't want to get burned. Yeah. There's different motivation now that they understand. This word, this is your understanding. Right. And when you understand that it is about Jesus and you look to him instead of yourself, when you look to what he did that was good instead of what we can do good on our own, that stuff falls away. And that's not me telling you that. That is Paul telling you that in Hebrews 12. 1. Lay, aside that so, lay aside the sin that so easily besets you. See there? Sin still besets you. Sin still is that. It still messes you up. It still is going to create a debt in your life you don't want to pay. In fact, it's a debt Jesus already paid. But we can rejoice as we look to Jesus and we just see that stuff fall away faster than ever. Isn't that good news? Yes. Isn't that good news? Yes. Come on, that's good news. Let's all stand together. Let's outgrow an old way of thinking that I messed up. Now let me go pay my penance. Let me go get right with the Lord and then maybe He'll hear me. Maybe He'll answer my prayer. Maybe He'll bless me after I get right with Him. Let's throw that out. Let's throw that out. Every single one of us make mistakes. Every single one of us will most likely fall to sin at least, at least one more time in our life. When that happens, let's remember to look to Jesus instead of putting new wine and old wineskin. Let's remember to look to Jesus and remember that He loves us. That our Father is running to us. That He is never going to cast us out of His presence or take His Spirit from us. Scripture references for every single one of those things. When we read Psalms, and we're in Psalm 51, and we read the words of David saying, Create in me a clean heart, maybe we'll read it differently. Maybe in that moment we'll read that, and we'll get to experience the joy of the New Testament, New Covenant believer, and we'll say, Lord, thank you for giving me a better covenant than you gave David. Renew a right spirit within me. We'll read it, and we'll think, oh, thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you're within me, and you're sealed according to the book of Ephesians. There's nothing I can do to remove you or take you out. Maybe we'll read David's sin, restore to me the joy of my salvation, and we'll say, thank you, Jesus, that you gave me joy, and it's up to me. And I'm making a joy withdrawal right now. I'm making a joy withdrawal right now by, by saying thank you for that. Thank you for that joy. Thank you, Lord. This whole series is about who we are as New Testament, New Covenant believers. And I believe that when we get through this, stick with it. Man, take some good notes. Apply this stuff to your life and to your thinking. Right believing produces right living. If you're struggling with, with a sin, if you're struggling with some type of addiction or something like that, this is your chance to get free. This is your chance to get free. It's going to start here. It's going to start with understanding who you are in Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Lord, we love you so much. We are so grateful for your word that says the latter will be greater than the past. We are so grateful for your word that says we have a right spirit and we are in right standing with you, no matter if it's our best day or our worst day. Oh, we know there's people who have never encountered your love. They might say with their mouth that they know you, but they've never truly met you and declared within their heart that they know you. You said pray for the laborers of that harvest. So Lord, we are a church that's saying either send us to them or send them to us. And we want to introduce them to you so bad. We want to introduce them to a God like the father of the prodigal son that runs to them in their worst moment. We want to introduce them to a God that looks up in the tree and says, come down into my presence no matter what you've done. We want to introduce them to a God that looks at us in our worst moment when we are indecent, maybe even indecently dressed in the middle of a street called in sin and says, I don't condemn you.